Hello and welcome back to Leader Up, a podcast of Army Management Staff College. Leader Up is a professional conversation where we discuss a broad range of leadership and leader development topics with an emphasis on the Army civilian professional. I'm your host, David Howie. On today's episode of Leader Up, we have a very special guest. Uh, we have Ms. Diane Randon. She is a member of the Senior Executive Service, and she is the Assistant Deputy Chief of Staff for the Army G2. And we're going to talk today on Leader Up to Mrs. Randon about uh, some leadership and leader development topics, and also the SES and how she became a member of the SES. And so, Ms. Diane Randon, thank you so much for joining us today on Leader Up. Well, thank you for having me. Leadership is one of my favorite topics of all time, so I'm looking forward to the conversation. All right. Well, thank you on behalf of our Leader Up audience. Thank you for your time. And I would just like to start off with your background, uh, how you got to where you are now in your career. Uh, sure, I'd be happy to address that. I uh, I just celebrated my 37th year in federal service, and it started uh, with a great opportunity when I was in college uh, to uh, take on the necessary work that we still need today from high school and college students working as a summer hire and then a winter hire during my college breaks. And that led to an interest in a full-time permanent role. Uh, so uh, 37 years ago, I, um, I actually started at the Environmental Protection Agency in my first uh, professional career assignment, which was a little short-lived. Um, I was following uh, my husband at the time overseas and like many military spouses, um, I became a uh, secretary and administrative assistant and a whole bunch of other things until I landed into a, uh, a comptroller uh, office, which really gave me my entry into a career um, in the comptroller um, area. And then a lot of opportunities and great mentoring. Uh, I, I then have had successive uh, um, opportunities in installation management, manpower and reserve affairs, and now in uh, military intelligence. And so, uh, so I'm I've had that entire time with the Army, save for about one year at Environmental Protection Agency and about four years at the uh, DODIG. And you're currently in the in the Army G two. And what can you tell our audience about? The, the types of uh, job that you have and what kind of things are, are on your plate currently? Uh, well, I, I am in the Army G2 and uh, for the Army staff, um, the structure, we have um, senior executives who serve as deputies to our three-star principal officials. And so I serve as the civilian deputy to um, our current Army G2. And in my role as a deputy, um, I perform many functions. My primary one is to um, fully support the G2's uh, mission. Uh, my uh, 
principles, priorities, and um, inside of the uh, army, the intelligence uh, civilian professionals have our own appointment authority and our own um, policy. So I get I get to I have the privilege of also being the senior intelligence civilian with the responsibility to uh, oversight the uh, the policy um, for those uh, intelligence civilian professionals. And you said uh, in the introduction, you said that you enjoy talking about leadership and leadership is one of the things that we like to talk about on Leader Up. And so I want to go back to uh, about three years ago uh, in 2019 when the newest at that time version of ADP 622 came out, the Civilian Corps Creed was changed and it was changed to add that word leadership into the creed for Army civilians. And so I would just like to talk to you about uh, your role in that. What does that mean that uh, leadership was added to the creed? And why was it important that leadership was added to that Civilian Corps creed? Uh, sure. I, I really enjoy talking about that. And as, as leadership goes, I, I, um, I remind myself every single day, I often don't have uh, the right ideas or great ideas, uh, but, I, but I want to ensure those great ideas that I do hear, uh, whatever I can do to influence um, moving those forward, I want to contribute. And so that's the opportunity I had. Uh, back in the um, 2018 timeframe, I think it really started, I was serving in a detail position in the secretariat, uh, the assistant secretary of the Army for Manpower Reserve Affairs. And I had a um, another executive teammate who was really um, uh, very vocal uh, in many forums and, and came to me asking if I could uh, work getting leadership into the Army Civilian Creed. And in the MNRA, we are the proponent on the Secretariat to do things like that. And that was a, an idea that I thought was a great idea. And so I was able to um, uh, get the team. And it was, uh, it was an easy ask because there was a lot of support for it by the Army senior leaders as well. So we teed up um, a modification to the Army Civilian Creed. And back in 2019, when we got that change made, that creed was about 13 years old. And uh, the Secretary of the Army and the Chief of Staff of the Army at the time um, signed a memo out to all Army uh, announcing that leadership would be a part of the Army Civilian Corps Creed and it was in recognition of the ever increasing and more prominent role that civilians play, um, you know, for the Army team uh, in countless leadership roles. And so we debuted that um, Civilian Corps Creed, and it is the it, it's still the current version today. And um, I'm I'm proud of that accomplishment, and I'm. Uh, it's what our civilian corps deserves uh, because of the really hard, courageous roles, leadership roles uh, that our civilians uh, serve in the Army. And why is it important for 
uh, members of the Army Civilian Corps or anyone who is a leader in the Army, uh, not just people who are in supervisory positions, but uh, those who consider themselves leaders, to practice and focus on leadership regularly? Well, I, I first and foremost do believe, and I often uh, tell uh, our you know, civilian and, and military population that while we might not be appointed into a formal supervisory role um, with management responsibilities over individuals, that we all have a responsibility and can serve in leadership roles. And, and sometimes the hardest leadership to exercise is influential leadership because you don't have direct authority over others to tell them exactly what to do. And so there's a real art and science to leadership, I believe. And as we learn leadership, whether it's you know leadership of ourselves, leadership of others, or leadership strategically over an organization, you know, there are many skills and behaviors we learn. And, you know, like anything else that is learned, we have to practice it. And I really embrace being able to share uh, with um, my team and, you know, my peers and, and brown bags about how we can do that. Because, you know, with practice comes an ability to hone our leadership skills and improve what we do. And ultimately that should be, um, you know, something that we embrace in, in our roles as leaders. Okay. I would like to change gears a little bit, ma'am, and talk about something that um, when we were preparing for this podcast, you told me that you uh, are a certified coach. And I would just like to hear a little bit about how you became a certified coach uh, maybe how others could follow that same path and how you have used coaching as a leader in the Army Civilian Corps? Uh, well, I had uh, the opportunity, and this was back in the 2015 timeframe, uh, the um, senior executive who actually was the leader over our civilian senior leader management office, who is, you know, our, our, off, our, our managing office for all civilian executives. Uh, she was trying to pilot a group, a group of folks to go through uh, the George Mason certificate program. And um, I got to be one of the first um, a small group of senior executives who went through that certificate program. And it was, it was really planting the seed corn, you know, for uh, civilians to have an opportunity to uh, go through a credentialing program. And this one happened to be at, at George Mason. And it was a program for uh, becoming a, a, a credentialed uh, executive leadership coach. And uh, we were then um, at the at the end of that credentialing program, uh, we then had an opportunity to be inserted into the army as internal coaches, so that we could and and back back then, um, the idea was to be able to provide coaching to um, other senior executives and 
um, some of our um, high-performing talent at the 14 and 15 um, grades. Subsequent to 2015, and the credentialing program, I believe, was, um, if I recall correctly, four or five months. And uh, there were other cohorts um, that went through that certificate program. And I think it's it's restructured to, since then. But in any case, we did develop a pretty good cadre of, of internal executive coaches. As coaching has evolved and as, as Army has embraced more and more the power of coaching, uh, we've also inserted it into some of our assessment programs for uh, battalion and brigade commanders and command sergeant majors. And um, recently, uh, through a combined effort on um, Army leader, Army civilian leadership and, and military leadership, there's been an initiative to uh, send um, mid-level uh, ranks and grades of enlisted military and civilians through uh, coaching certificate programs so we can um, build an internal cadre of coaches. And I contend, more importantly, that the skills and behaviors that we learn in order to be a coach serve us well in growing as leaders of self. So, so there was probably one of the most powerful leadership lessons I had was actually learning how to coach. Um, so I'm really excited about what's on the horizon for the Army team. Um, I've been able to contribute to um, developing, um, assisting in developing this program, advising, uh, um, serving on panels to review applications and going through the board process. And, uh, and, and we're receiving many, many applications. And so the word's getting out. I think as people get coached, they understand the power of it. I think as we role model um, the, the great skill sets that we learn as coaches, um, it is inspiring, and uh, and I'm I'm really delighted that Army's um, taken the uh, the steps to uh, create an investment line um, for this uh, for the coaching program. And what I think I heard you just say, I just want to um, verify this. You said that being a coach, obviously, it it helps the person being coached, but it also makes the coach themselves. Uh, a better leader. Is that correct? Is that how you've seen that through your experiences? Well, it is absolutely um, my uh, opinion, my belief. Um, when when we learn how to coach, and really coaching is, uh, you know, establishing a relationship that enables the the coach to help the client see themselves better and you know, create a pathway for themselves to either, you know, address a challenge better and improve or hone a skill better or, you know, de essentially, de you know, uh, develop something that they've targeted to develop. So just like, you know, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use, a sports analogy or, or you know, music. I mean, I personally learned how to play the piano and, you know, I, I played a ton of softball. Um, I could, you know, if I wanted to improve, you know, batting, then I, you know, tried to learn and hone what I needed to do to improve 
my batting. And then, um, but, but it was all on me because I could have a coach all day long, show me what I needed to do to hold the bat and stand correctly and keep my eye on the ball. But it, but I literally am the person that, that has the ability to either improve my batting or, uh, you know, just not really, not really, um, be invested in it and, and not really, uh, you know, maybe, um, uh, achieve that goal. And so when, uh, we learn how to be coaches, some of the foundational tools and techniques and skills that we learn are, uh, ones that are, um, around active listening, around clear communication, um, around asking powerful questions and being able, as we say, to hold up a mirror, which is really being able to help someone see themselves better. Um, and, and there's others, but that is my reference to, uh, becoming a coach. I, I believe I learned the skills to improve myself, um, as a leader as well. And I'd like to ask you, ma'am, about a couple of, a couple of topics and just have you uh, respond to these. Uh, one of them is taking difficult jobs. I've heard you talk about that before. Uh, and also fighting or battling against complacency. And just why those things are important for those of us in the Army Civilian Corps. Uh, I do have a, uh, a list of... Um uh, maybe attributes, behaviors, uh, things that I subscribe to that I think have served, have served me well over time in my career. And, you know, one of those is getting outside of your com- comfort zone and taking the hard, uh, taking the hard tasks or ones that are neglected or maybe ones that, that nobody signs up for. And the reason I've said that over time and, and, and I reinforce it to myself even is, um, and I, and I'm going to probably get this wrong, but I, I heard once, um, you know, when it was, uh, on, on, uh, there was a, um, session on T, there was a newscast on TV and it was interviewing a coach who had recently moved to a different, uh, team. And he said, you know, I could get 30 years of experience on one team, or I could have 30 years of experience on multiple teams. And he was talking about the perspective and experience he gained by being on multiple teams. And that really resonated with me. um, Because from my vantage point, you know, as I have moved around, and I have moved to a variety of portfolios and leadership roles, I think the benefit of getting out of my comfort zone is constantly being on that learning journey because I am always in a, in a cycle of learning something new. And, you know, not only does it uh, just give me an opportunity to learn more, more about the army, but I believe it gives me more and more perspective and experience where I can contribute greater instead of just having a way I see, um, you know, the army as it relates to the world or whatever portfolio I'm working in. The thing about getting out of our comfort zone, um, well, two different things with regards to work and taking on those, those, um, those tasks. I think it's really an opportunity to, to make your mark 
you know, I've, I've thought I never wanted to go into a job where my predecessor was perfect and everything was done and there wasn't really anything to do because I can't, it's hard for me to then figure out what I can do to improve. And I, and, you know, on some level, I realized, you know, there's always room for improvement, but being able to, you know, take on that hard task, uh, you know, really achieve something is, you know, first of all, beneficial that we take on the hard, hard tasks. But I do believe it helps if we're looking, you know, to stand out and differentiate ourselves among many. Um, it really does accrue those accomplishments that help us stand out if we're looking to advance and move up a career ladder. Um, so yes, those are, those are a couple of things that, you know, my, my mantra that I, that I do tend to, um, advise on when I can, you know, impart, uh, you know, some words of wisdom, you know, looking back on my 37 years of service. And ma'am, let's go back to just a couple of years ago, uh, when you became a member of the senior executive service what that transition was like, why you made the transition, uh, and what things you did to make it successful from being a, a GS employee, member of the Army Civilian Corps, to being a member of the Senior Executive Service. What, what caused you to make that decision, and, and what was that transition like for you? Uh, so back in um, uh, the 2004 timeframe, uh, I was on the Army team, and one of my former um, executive um, SES leaders had moved over to DODIG, and I was asked to apply for a vacancy that they they had actually had a hard time filling, and I think they were trying to uh, broaden the the slate and try to develop some more competition for the position, and that's when I got my my GS fifteen as a comptroller and. I was serving over there for about four years. And then I got a call from a former supervisor who was a senior executive who was trying to restructure a position. Um, and they were also interested in developing a, you know, a, a robust, diverse, competitive slate. And they had asked me to uh, throw my hat in the ring. And that was for a senior executive position. Um, so I applied for it. Not really understanding uh, what I was getting myself into. So I applied for the position and uh, to my surprise, I got the position. And so in 2007, um, I moved back over to Army in my first um, senior executive service position. And, you know, looking back and reflecting on that time and that transition, um, I I fully um, am grateful that I am not the leader from 2007 that I am today. I, um, I, I think transitioning from uh, a 15 to a senior executive uh, is a leap. I think we need to help our, our transitioning uh, civilians when they make that move, um, you know, move into that executive leadership role. Um, so that they are set up for success with the skills and expectations and leadership that's expected of them at that level. And I, uh, 
it was a difficult transition for me. I fortunately, um, there were many wonderful senior executives and general officers on the army team who, uh, and I'm, and I'm grateful that, you know, took me under their wing and mentored me, um, when, you know, they probably saw that I could, I could take some advice and use some assistance. And, you know, so I did, I did flounder a little bit and I, I quickly gained some great mentors and got my footing, um, which is why, you know, I subscribe uh, 15 years later as a senior executive uh, that I think it's really important to um, take new executives under our wing and help them get their footing and let them know that they've got a lifeline and a safety net and a safe place uh, to have conversations because as you move up the ladder or get higher to the top of the pyramid, uh, our peer group shrinks. And it's really important that we still have maintained connections so that we can learn from each other and, you know, just be there for each other. Uh, so, um, so I, I didn't really appreciate the opportunity that presented itself to me. Uh, and that is how I moved into my very first senior executive assignment. And that symbol of the senior executive service, that keystone, what is the significance of that? Why is the that symbol a keystone? What does it mean for you? And what does it mean for uh, the, the senior executive service as a whole? You know, it, it's really interesting. Um, as, as you're asking me about the key, the keystone, uh, you know, senior executives are supp supposed to essentially provide leadership and continuity of government during administration um, transitions. And I was, um, I really didn't um, really embrace what that meant until back in uh, 2017, uh, the end of 2016, uh, when the, when we were having an administration change out, um, I was, I was detailed to the assistant secretary of the army manpower reserve affairs because, uh, we, we needed a senior executive for continuity of government until a political appointee came into that position. And, uh, and so, I really found out firsthand um, going back to that keystone and what it represents is, you know, first of all, that keystone is the uh, center stone and a arch that holds all those other stones to, to, you know, together and, or keeps the arch in place. And I, I think that really just signifies, you know, the critical role that senior executives play uh, for that continuity of, of leadership during the uh, um, changes in administration while uh, the currently appointed politicals uh, transition out and new ones come in. So I, again, what a great privilege and honor um, that I, you know, kind of firsthand uh, really got to understand uh, what, how that SES insignia really does play a, a key role for leadership. And that goes back again, um, the civilian leadership and that uh, civilian core creed. And I'd like to uh, start bringing our conversation to an end with uh, asking you about some top threes, uh, if you're willing to share those with our audience. 
And the first top three that I would ask you about is your top three leadership books that you would recommend for up and coming and aspiring leaders. Uh, so I'm happy to answer those questions. It's just hard to keep it to three. Um, and I, I have found that through um, Audible and uh, Amazon buying books that I seem to have a stack larger than I can get to. Um, I do. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to answer your question, but I'm, I'm going to bake some more into it. So anything by Covey. Uh, so I really, you know, some really good ones, speed of trust, seven habits of highly effective people, you know, talking about trust, you know, that's one thing that we have to do as leaders is really understand what it means to be vulnerable and extend trust first. And that, that book was very empowering. Um, really like Marshall Goldsmith, uh, one of the most recent books I read of his is what got you here won't get you there. And, uh, that's a really great read. And then. Um, what's what's last on my stack of books that I read. And so I recently read Think Again um, by Adam Grant, and, and that was a, a very compelling read. Um, there's countless others. And while I've gone beyond my three, um, a book I've read um, again is uh, Crucial Conversations. And there's so many, but um, but the but I would encourage everyone, regardless of of what it is you want to read, um, pick up a, a leadership book and read it. And our next top three is your top three skills or competencies that uh, army leaders should have should exhibit. Well, I do. Um, I do want to caveat that you know, as leaders, we have a role. Um, for organizational leadership, we have a role to lead others, and we have a role to lead ourselves. And you know, part of my passion is really about what we can do to lead our, our lead ourselves, which really helps leading others. And so that's from that context is how I will answer your question. I've come to understand, you know, more and more. Um, that a skill or competency is really self-awareness. If we can see ourselves, what our strengths are and what our weakness are, is weaknesses are, it's very powerful to then know what to do next. Uh, a second one is uh, communication. And communication is both listening intently and actively and also uh, speaking with deliberate, thoughtful precision, uh, so that we, you know, have we don't have these unintended. That's not what I meant to say. Um, opportunities, and then probably a third one is, uh, you know, compassion and empathy, and uh, you know, really being able to uh, look at the person you are leading. Um, as a person first, regardless of what you have to do with performance or conduct. Uh, so those would be three of many. Okay. And our final top three is your top three leadership lessons learned. Uh, so I've, I've many lessons uh, and I've tried to learn them. Uh, and I will one of the things about 
uh, consistently showing up for your workforce and being available to them is some of the best lessons I've learned are from the people I lead. Um, because I try to create an environment where they can come in and give me feedback as well. And I'm very grateful that I've, I've had those relationships. Um, if I were to come up with three, um, I think it's really important uh, when we talk about the customer, and it could be your employee, however you want to perceive a customer. You know, we, of, we often talk about the golden rule of treating others the way you would want to be treated. I think it's far more powerful to think about uh, the customer regarding how they would want to be treated, because then you're not putting yourself in the aperture, you're putting them. And to really know how they want to be treated, you have to know them. Um, and so that's always a, a good reminder for me. Um, another one is, you know, what you do when no one's looking really matters. Uh, going back to my transition as a senior executive, you know, how I hopped out of Army and then hopped back in, uh, I believe was really my um, accrued um, accomplishments and behaviors and conduct that really gave me the opportunities um, that I never saw coming. And so, you know, keeping your head down and, you know, doing what's right is, is, is important to me. Um, and then probably my third one is, uh, you know, when we receive feedback about ourselves, about anything else, you know, instead of being defensive, sometimes the best thing that we can do is just say thank you um, and let, you know, silence kind of hold the, um, hold, hold that moment uh, because some, because we don't, we don't always have to have something in response right away. Uh, so those are, are three lessons that, that learned that, that come to mind. Well, thank you for all, all of those uh, top threes, Ms. Diane Randon, and thank you so much for your time. Uh, and thank you for being with us on Leader Up. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak on leadership. And so Leader Up audience, uh, what did you hear from Ms. Randon? What resonates with you? What kind of leadership things did she talk about? Uh, are you willing to get out of your comfort zone and fight against uh, complacency. Thank you for joining us and be sure to join us again for another edition of Leader Up. As always, if you have any questions or feedback or would like to learn more about our podcast, please check the description for our email and for our website. Thanks for listening.